The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. One four says, being made so much better. Let's read that together. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. But in verse uh, chapter eight and verse six, it says similarly. It says, and don't you may want to turn that eight six. But now hath he obtained, the certain same word, of he obtained a more excellent name than the angels. And it says it again in, in chapter 8, verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much he is a mediator of a better covenant, at, which was established upon better promises. The theme of the whole book of Hebrews is Christ better than. Uh, that's just the best outline. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an outline in the book itself. Christ simply is better than. But he's not just better than. He's so, let's say it together, so much better than. He's so much better than anything else. No one, no person, no, no uh, famous historical figure in the past has come up like the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one close to him. The Hebrew writer here says it. He's so much better. Why does he say it? Let me give you three reasons why I believe Jesus Christ this morning is so much better. First of all, he's so much better because of the verse before our text. The text verse being 1-4. And this verse, and I'm going to the verse before it. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he hath himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The reason that he is so much better than the angels and anyone that's come before him is because he is the express image of God. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, one of proof verses for the deity of Christ, it says this, For in him, that is in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For those who would want to say that there is but one God, and that means Jesus was somehow either made as an angel and turned into a God, or he is a God as a cults would want to make it. Remember this, the cults always attack the person of Christ. That's their number one place where they want to change. Him. They want to deny something or add something or change something other than the Bible. But it says here that in Him dwells all. What's the word all mean? You're a smart group of folks today. It means everything. Come on. It's all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead. 
occurs a few times, occurs in Romans also as well as here, the Godhead. Who was the Godhead? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, when you baptize them, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, the Godhead. How many gods? One. But there is a Godhead, which is called the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Do I completely understand how all of that arrays out? Absolutely not. But you know what? That doesn't hurt my feelings because I don't understand a whole bunch of stuff. I see this light here this morning, and I'm amazed. Uh, it's called LED. I don't even want, know what those initials mean, but I like them. I'm using them, and I'm enjoying them. But do I understand it? No. But do I believe in it? Yes. I see it. I know it's real. Light. I don't know where the sun, what, what is that stuff when you walk outside, all of a sudden your skin gets warm? You don't see it. It's not there. It's invisible, but it's the radiation of the sun hitting my skin and reflecting and creating heat. How far away is the sun from my face? Let's give an intelligent answer on this. A long way. It's a heap a long way, son. It's a long way off. That travels somehow at, they say, 186,000 miles per second. I don't know who exactly timed all that, but 186,000 miles per second, and boom, it hits me. And until it hits me, it does not produce heat. What? Folks, there are a lot of mysteries all over, around us, and, and, and in us there's mysteries. How you can look at me and in your eye and in your lens and in all that goodies, I'm upside down. And yet in your brain, I'm right side up. Or am I? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Eye doctors say that the image comes into the brain and flips it upside down, but somehow the back of my head where, the, where that mechanism is translates it and adds the rods and the cones and the color and all. Just the eye itself. I don't understand, but I'm telling you, I'm using it right now. How about you? People say, I don't understand the Trinity. You don't have to understand it, brother. Take it by faith. The Bible says it. It declares it. It's so. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why he is so much better. He is the mold that is taken of God the Father. He told Philip, I said a couple weeks ago, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If he was less, he could not be better than the rest. But he is better than the rest because he's more. Angels already exist and have great power, but he is so much better than them. God, what does the Bible say about him? He says he's God manifests in the flesh. He is the great I am. He is a resurrection in the life. He is the bread of life. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the creator of all that is. By him were all things created are in heaven and on earth, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were made by him and for him. Without him is not any. By him all things consist. Something like that. He made everything. That's why he's so much better. You can't be, and you can't, uh, you, you have to be God to say what he said and it to come true.
Do you get that? You have to be God. You have to be the express image of God. To say what Jesus said, and it comes true. No man cometh unto me. No, no, he said this. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You have to have some authority to say that. What in the world? He said, without me, you can do. You have to have some serious authority to say that. Uh, he said, uh, if you shall ask anything in my name, whose name? Anything in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, you've got to have some serious power to say, ask anything in my name, and I will do it, that the Father glorify. Now, you know, contextually and in the big picture, that's something according to his will. If you ask him for a brand new Harley Ultra Classic, to be out there when you go, when the church is over today, uh, he's going to say, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you because it hurts you. Because once you drive the Harley, you throw that Honda away. Don't let slip that in on him. But uh, I'm the resurrection, he said. You can't say I'm the resurrection and the life unless you got some power. You can't, you can't say, remember when Lazarus, he waited three days to make sure one Lazarus would get good and ripe. Most of you know what that means. And they had Lazarus all wrapped up, and they had him in a stone rolled across there. And, and we went over in Israel where they think Lazarus' grave was. I don't know. It was a stone. We crawled down through this little tunnel and opened up into a little room being carved out of rock. And there was a little place there. They said it was Lazarus' tomb. I don't think it was, but it was something like probably what it was. And he said, roll the stone back. Well, when you roll the stone back, the smell comes out. Right away, his two sisters go, ooh, no, 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 no. By this time, he stink it. He stink it real bad. It'll be bad. Most of you smell roadkill. You know what I'm talking about. But on your word, and boy, that's the way we need to operate, amen. We may not understand it. We may not. We may have a hundred reasons why not to. But if God says do it, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. Do it on his word. And then Jesus said, Lazarus. Come forth. Praise God that day he said, Lazarus. Because the Bible says, marvel not, his words in John 5, 28, he says, marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. He's speaking of himself, by the way, in context. You look it up. John 5, 28. And shall come forth, and they that have done good on the resurrection of life, they have done evil on the resurrection of damnation. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, had he said, come forth, the ground would have erupted in an earthquake worldwide as all those bodies were reassembled and resurrected out of the grave. Because someday he's going to say, come forth. And the Bible says, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. You've got to have power to speak words like that. Woo! I didn't hear Hitler say anything like that. I didn't hear Mussolini say anything like that. I didn't hear any words of Nero, the old monarch of Rome, say that. I've read a lot of these different dictators' writings, and I've never heard them come up with presumption like that. Why? Because they knew they know they'd be proven wrong. Wow. He's so much better. Because he's, he's God manifests in the flesh. He's so much better because he's the propitiation for our sins. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that, by, that he by the grace of God should what? Taste 
death for every man. He's so much better because Jesus Christ died in my place. You say, Brother Bill, you're going to physically die. I'm going to physically die, but my soul is a never-dying entity. And it's going to live somewhere forever if, it, if I ask Jesus Christ, the one who propitiated for me, and I'll explain that later, who propitiated for me, I get to live in eternity with him because my sins are forgiven. The alienation between me and God has been taken away by his shed blood. He basically satisfied the justice of God on all my sins, and I was declared not guilty. I was declared innocent by the grace of God. I'm eventually going to be declared blameless and unreprovable. Do you understand those words? Wow. So I'm going to be able to dwell with God. But I'm a never-dying soul, whatever decision I make. But if I reject Jesus Christ and go on in my unbelief, and because I love my sin and don't want to turn for it, Jesus explained why people don't get saved. They love, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Read chapter 3 of John, verses about 16 through 21, where Jesus himself explains exactly why people don't get saved. You wouldn't think, you'd think when people hear the, the story of the gospel that everybody would come up and say, I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be under the blood of Christ. But they don't, do they? In fact, the majority they actually reject it. That's because the Bible says that they love darkness more than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. They didn't want to face their sin. They didn't want to face it and call it what it is. You know, the best thing you can ever do is call your sin what it is. If you're proud, say, I'm proud. If you, if you slander, say, I slandered. If you, if you do something wrong, say it. The Bible says if we'll confess our sin, the word confess, look it up. It means same word. Say the same word as God about it. Amen. Go to God and say, I slandered. I cut my brother down. I did this or did that. And then he'll say, it's forgiven. You actually don't even, it don't even say you have to ask forgiveness, does it? 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is the word forgiven there anywhere? Yes, forgiveth our sins, but we don't ask for forgiveness. We confess, and then he forgives. Anybody that's a parent knows that when your kid lies, all you ever are really shooting for by all the discipline after that is to, first of all, do not allow them to believe what they did was okay and, and make them to believe, number two, that it was actually a lie. And then after they lie, try to encourage them not to do it again. That's what God wants for us. He wants the same thing for us. He's so much better because he's God manifest in the flesh. He's so much better because he tasted death for every man. In Hebrews 9, 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained an eternal redemption for us. I didn't finish my thought on the eternal soul. If you reject Christ as your personal Savior and say, It's not for me, I don't want it, I don't believe it, eventually your never-dying soul stands before Jesus Christ who gave himself for you, having rejected him, and he has no choice but to relegate you to a place of isolation and punishment for your own sins. Instead of letting him satisfy the punishment, you've said, I'll satisfy it. So he lets you do that in a place called the lake of fire. The Bible calls a place called hell. But everybody in this room is a never-dying soul. Going to live somewhere forever. Think about it. You're never going to die. You're going to die physically, but that's just, a, that's just a door you walk through. 
Physical death is just a door you walk through. I, I think very likely you don't even lose consciousness, just maybe a little bit as you, as you then you wake up on the other side and you say, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to not think of it. You can argue all you want to with the angel that comes to pick you up. This ain't supposed to happen. Muhammad said this wasn't going to happen. He said, I've got 71 virgins. You know that's been said recently. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. This is one you got to do. 1 John, take the Bible if you would. 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 1 and 2. What a verse. What a verse. Actually, two verses, but the, but the second verse being the one I'm going to concentrate on. It says in 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 2. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's where we get our word lawyer. And notice verse 2, and he is a propitiation for our sin. The word propitiation means to cover, to appease, to satisfy. When you hear me say that the blood of Jesus Christ satisfies the justice of God, I am giving you the definition of the word propitiation. It is a legal term. It's to propitiate, to satisfy, to cover. When you pay a fine for a ticket, you pay your propitiation. And he said he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. Can we read this together? But also for the sins of the whole world. Now, folks, you've seen it with your own eyes. You've spoken it with your own mouth. When the old Calvinist comes up and says the blood of Jesus Christ was a limited atonement, which is part of their doctrine called TULIP, the L part, the limited atonement, is alive from hell. Right there it says it. Whose sins did he die for? He died for mine and the sins of how much? Now, you don't need another verse. You don't need to go and search all through the, and I've done it. I, I Trust me, I've done it from front to back. You don't have to do all that because right there, if it's the truth, it's the truth. That's it. Jesus Christ. Why do we, why are we so evangelistic at gospel? Why do we go door to door, day of evangelism? I hope they have 100 people come out. Why do we do the bus? Why do we? Because we believe that Jesus Christ's blood could save the whole world if they would believe. That there's nobody exempted if they would believe. We believe the Bible when it says it's the very heart of God that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we go out there with that in mind, and we give the gospel. Who else has done this for you? Name, name somebody that's done this for you. Who's died for you? Who's paid for your sins? Who has propitiated for the Father for your sins? Who has shed his blood or, for you? Who has satisfied the justice of God for you? Who has redeemed you from all iniquity? Who has reconciled you to God? Who has the power to offer you eternal life? Who has tasted death for every man? Who has abolished death? These are biblical terms. Who has destroyed the works of the devil? Who has destroyed him who had the power of death? That is the devil. Who has done that? The rest of the so-called messiahs? No. no. They tell you to work. Obey them. Give them all you got. And maybe, just maybe... You never really can be sure, but maybe if it kind of goes like this, you may be saved and maybe not. Said one of the saddest things in the world. For years, I've dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses. 
And it's sad. You go to the average old witness, you say, do you know you're saved? And they say, you can't know that. We're trying to be. And they kind of hang their head a little bit, and their eyes kind of go down. A little sad look comes on their face. I said, do you, you know you're born again? You're born from heaven, the Spirit of God. And they kind of look down a little bit, and there's a little sadness in their face because they're hardworking people. They say, you can't know that. They've been taught a lie. You can know that. The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Not in arrogance, but in humility. You think God will allow you to have something as big as eternal salvation, not let you know you got it? You go through all of life hoping maybe could be possible? Or does God let you know you have it? Not so you can be arrogant, but so you can be confident. And that confidence will then drive you to serve him and do the right thing and tell everybody you know, Jesus saved, Jesus saves. Jesus, he's so much better. Why? Because he's God. He's the image of He's the visible image of the invisible God, it's been said. Why? Because he's the propitiation for our sins. By the way, he didn't say maybe, he promised. Kids picked this up. I used to do this, my mom and dad didn't work too well. If they'd say something, I'd go, you promised. How many have been guilty of that? Raise your hand, come on, confess your sins. Hey, you promised. And my dad would say, son, when I promise, you'll know it. What do you mean? He said, I'm going to say the word, I, the words, I promise. He said, if I don't say I promise, then it is not a promise because I always keep my promises. But every time I say something is contingent on what the James says, if the Lord wills, he says, so everything I say does not come to pass because I don't know everything and I don't know all the circumstances and it's possible that in that whole thing it may not happen. But if I tell you I promise I'm going to throw everything I've got to make sure that that absolutely happens so that I keep my word to you. Now, how much did he promise me? Very, very little. Why? He didn't have the power to keep it. And you don't either. You've got very, very questionable power. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Eight o'clock in the morning, we got a men's breakfast. I told Brother Maxwell, eight o'clock, I'm bringing my wife. All you women want to come to men's breakfast? Come on. My wife's coming and she doesn't like to eat alone. Because, you know, when I go to the men's breakfast, I said her by herself over. My wife and I are on vacation today. It's vacation from today to next Sunday. And so she's on vacation. And so I'm going to take her to men's breakfast. That's going to be her first high of her, of her week's vacation. And you know, I'm in the doghouse. Titus 1 2. Titus 1 2. Boy, I get this. This is a sweet, sweet manna from heaven. Titus 1 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, Theos, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. What did he do? Promised it, brother. 
Why is he so much better? Because he is the image of the, the invisible image of the very invisible God. Why is he so much better? Because he promised me eternal life and propitiated it for me and provided it. Thirdly, why is he so much better? This is my favorite point. We waited for last because he's coming back. He's coming to get me. He's coming back to get me. John chapter 14 read it more funerals than any other verse except for maybe Psalm 23. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me. Now wait a minute. You wouldn't say that if you didn't know what you were talking about. No Jew in his right mind would say that phrase unless it was true. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, and you that are reading this, uh, circle the, the personal pronoun I. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Not the Father. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's not going to leave me. God didn't just save you to abandon you, brother. God saves you. He keeps you all the way through eternity. There'll never be a time that he leaves us. There'll never be a time he forsakes us. There'll never be a time he abandons us. We are in the bosom of God Almighty. Say, brother, I'm, I'm depressed. Don't be. A depression is a lie. The depression is a lie. It has overcome you. Because as a child of God, woo, things are looking up for you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's coming to follow through with his salvation. Oh, trust me, men will forsake you. The Bible even says, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. My mom and dad forsook me. Yes, I am an orphan. How many orphans raise their hands? They left us. They left us down here to make it on our own. I used to call and say, ask for advice. I can't call and ask for advice anymore. I used to call and ask for money. I can't call and ask for money anymore. <laughs> hey, man, I just wish one more time he'd buy me breakfast. But you know what? Jesus will not forsake me. Mom and dad forsook me because they died. They had to die. They, had, they couldn't stay with me all the time. But Christ said this. Here's what he said in twenty-eight of, of uh, chapter 28, verse 20 of Matthew. He said, I, And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. In John 14, 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. John 14, 16, it says, I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comfort that he may abide with you forever. Years ago, uh, the first, my, one of my only memories of probably when I was three or four years old, my, one of my only memories of that time is I was walking along a canal, and they were cleaning fish. They had a big fish bluegill cleaning board there, and they'd been cleaning bluegills for, for a month or so. So you know, in the water was full on the surface of decaying and rotting carcasses of bluegill, because when they begin to rot, they float. 
you know, so they were floating on the surface and they were rotten. It had been cleaning bluegill there for months or maybe a month or so during the season. And I was a little kid, and just as my mother said, be careful not to trip, I remember going head first into the water right in the middle of those, of those dead bluegill. All I remember is hitting the water, and somebody grabbed my back of my shirt, and I was resurrected out of there. And sat, I, I was literally with one hand grabbing the back of the shirt, lifted up, and I stood, put on my feet like this, and I'm soaked. It was my mother. I didn't know she had it in her. I didn't know she had it in her. What a Herculean movement that was. Because that the, the water was about a foot or so below the wall that I went over, and she reached down there and grabbed her own. Little Billy jerked him up. At first she was glad I lived. And as mothers do, they change. Why didn't you listen to me? I went from being super loved to disciplined. Jesus loves me more than my mother did. Jesus loves you more than your mother ever loved you. You name somebody that loved you, Jesus loves you more than that. He cares for you more than that. He's given more. He'll never leave you. He's never going to forsake you. All those false prophets, Muhammad, El Papa, none of them people love you like Jesus. These self-false proclaimed gods out there don't have the power to do what Jesus, and that's why the Bible says he's so much better than the angels. Why? Because he's a, he's a visible image of an invisible God. He's a propitiation for our sin. And he is coming back again to establish himself as what he truly is, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're going to be with him as his child if you know Christ is your Savior. Now, after hearing this this morning, if you don't know you know Christ is your Savior, we're going to play music in a minute. Why don't you come down to the front? Meet one of our preachers, you ladies with a lady and men with men, say, look, I want to I want to get saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want the I want what that preacher's been talking about. It's yours. You know what the Bible says? Whosoever will may come. That means you're not exempted. It doesn't say the good people come. It doesn't say the average people come. It says whosoever will. What do you think Mary Magdalene is so predominant in the Gospels? Because she had seven demons. She was as bad. She was a man's nightmare. She was as bad as it gets for women. She was so bad, she had seven, not one demon, not two demons. I've, I've met a few of them. Not three demons, but a seven-demon woman. Mary is the first one at the tomb. Whosoever will may come. Let me say this. Jesus' hand is reaching out for you this morning through His Holy Spirit and through His Word. And He's pulling on your heart to do His will. Let me say this. While He is near, grab it. While God is near, grab it. Because there'll be a time he won't be near. And you won't be able to just choose him any time you want to.
You'll, he'll come, and when He's there, you take it. Father, we pray this morning the Spirit of God may go and explain us better than I could. People may be saved. They may know Christ is their Savior. Help them, Father. Help them to understand it. Help them to respond. Forget their embarrassment. Forget where they're... Just say, I want it. And Father, those Christians here that may be away from the will of God or backslidden away from the will of God, may they decide that they're not going to live that way anymore. They're coming back to God. You know the secret things. You know what's going on. Is there something between you and the Savior this morning? Oh, don't let it stay there. If you'll confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Christian, don't stay separated from God with all these great things. He's so much better. You come to Him, and you'll agree with the writer of Hebrews. Father, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Someday on the I'll stand.